And you're now listening to Talking Fimbas. So welcome back to TLK Infamous. This is season two, episode one. I'm so happy to be here. We completed season one. Um, I have socially here myself. We got St. Percy here, yes. T. Devon, Ow. and we have the special guest star, yes. Aisha Hall. How you hey, feeling? Thank y'all for having me. I feel so good. Thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. And we are so excited because I think when we first came across Aisha Hall, we went to um, a Music Fest um, event and she came on and said her story. She said she did 10 years, wrote four books, then came out, started her own credit repair company, and then she just started rapping. I was like, yes. yo, this lady does a everything. Uh-huh. And I, w- I was just so like, um, I don't know, I was just so shocked and so excited. And um, saying first, she was like, I was go, like, yo, get, get them. I was like, go, go, was go, you and your go. friend, y'all share your story. And we was right. like, I was like, yo, we need to have them on. Right, and mm-hmm. so we went up. I went up to both of them, and uh, when I went to Aisha Hall, I just loved your energy, and um, this is how we started. So we have her here, and basically we want people to share your story because yes. I just feel like um, there's a lot of people that end up getting incarcerated, and sometimes it's very hard to um, get on the right path. Definitely when you have so many barriers um, blocking you, you have mm-hmm. that little checkbox. There's only so much you can do, but mm-hmm. for you, you you know, you end up doing more outside the box and started many businesses. So I want you to tell a little bit more about your story so you want to lead us. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, basically, you know, after we met up with you, we all did our research and we got to watch the BT special, um, American Gays and Trap, yeah. Trap, Trap Queens. Queen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, we just got to learn more about your story. And I remember I watched it, I hit, I hit up like, yo, she's iconic. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was like, she ate. <laughs> and um, after hearing your story, what I loved about it was the whole series and, um, what it did was humanize and tell your story in uh, in such a great way, and I just want you to like you know to share you know your story a little bit um, for the people who may not know and be familiar with uh, you know your story. Okay, thank you. By the way, thanks for supporting the show too. Um, it was actually um, like the number one. Everybody was so you know into it because they had never seen a young black female you know, make so much money, accomplish, you know, such a big feat, even though I messed up, it right. still was like, wow, this girl made $10 million. Right. That's a lot of money, you it know, is. especially me being 24 at the time, you know, and I was going for, um, I went in at 25 and I was gone for, you know, 10 years. I'm 38 now. So I've been home three years. Okay. Um, wow. And it's been, it was a struggle. And I'm always preaching to people, work for yourself, work for yourself, be an entrepreneur, work for yourself. And then like when the pandemic hit, it was like, see, everybody's getting laid off, jobs Mm -hmm. closing. I didn't really skip a beat because I worked for myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and I provide a service that people need. But um, the way I got to this position is my early start. You know, my father was a hustler. Um, I was exposed to music. I was exposed to Um, making money very young and I wanted that for myself so when I started um, Apogee Financial it was just an extension of um, always being a leader always being a hustler never wanting to settle you know I liked nice things but I never had anybody give them to me so I always was used to having to go and get things on my own so 
when I had the opportunity to start this company, I jumped on it. I didn't know anything about trading. I didn't know anything about commodities. I didn't know anything about proof of funds. I didn't know anything about that stuff. I taught myself, 100% self-taught. And um, somebody was doing it, and I paid attention. And I'm like, anytime I see somebody doing something that's making a lot of money, I always want to jump in on it. Like, it's just automatic. I don't care what it is, you know? Like, I want to jump in on it, especially if I think that, I mean, I have a lot more fear now. (laughs) But back then, I was just like, what I got to do, how I do it. Nobody's getting hurt, I'm in. You know, that's how I I thought. And with that business, you know, nobody was getting hurt. Nobody was taking losses. So I didn't really think nothing of it. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I did forged documents, and that's where I got in trouble. Right. Everything else was sweet, was legit. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was the changing of the documents, as you you know, seen on a documentary. Right. Um, and to make that much money that fast, I just wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared to be making a million dollars a month. I just wasn't. At that age, I'm thinking, shoot, 100000 a month is a nice, lot of money. Right. You know, a million dollars? Like, now when I... Think back. First of all, I just felt broke as hell after that. Like, you know, I just feel like I don't have nothing. When you make a million dollars a month, how do you compete with that? Right. Right. You know, everything else just feels like it's less than or. Trump change. Yeah. So when I got out of it and was able to look back, I was like, wow, damn, I did all of that. And it's been my driving force, like, to get back there, but just do it in a way where I don't get in any trouble. I'm kind of all over the place because it was so much that happened. Yeah. So much. It was it was crazy. Like. OD crazy. But anyway, um, for people that don't know why I went to prison, uh, when I was doing the proof of funds uh, and the trading, it required that people have a certain net worth to qualify. And, you know, we, we, we're not sitting around on $100 million, $50 million, right. $30 million, not our people. So a lot of these opportunities, we weren't included. And it's like, you know, it's not fair. Because I can have a million dollars and still it's not good enough. I can have $3 million, $5 million. Y'all not going to let me get in and trade with the big boys? Right. Even though they're spending the same amount of money I'm spending because I don't have that net worth. Of course I don't have that net worth. I'm black and I'm in America. Mm-hmm. When right. did I have the opportunity to accumulate that kind of wealth? It's just not even historically possible here. So it's just like we're just cut out. So I felt like using my skill set and, you know, my hustle and my drive, I was able to make help a lot of people make a lot of money by making them look like they were worth more than what they were. And there was a legal way to do it, which I did. But then there was also an illegal way to do it, which I did as well, which was just changing the numbers on paper. And that's where I got in trouble. But I helped so many people get into the trade, you know, who didn't take losses. Like nobody was getting hurt. It was just like if I'm coming in here and you say in order to come in here and sit on this couch, you know, you got to be worth 100 million. And I'm like, but it only costs 20 dollars to sit on the couch. Mm -hmm. All these people are lined up. Bunch of white boys, you know, they got $20 just like me, but their bank account is different than mine. So I'm not, I can't come in. So what I did is I gave the entry ticket for people to be able to get in. And when they get in, they spend their own money. So now I'm like leveling the playing field, which is why when I got in trouble, I think I got so much time because it's like, who do you think you are to put people in position when obviously there's been a lot of steps taken to keep people out of that position, you know? So my lawyer say, oh, you'll probably get probation or mm-hmm. a year or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I can handle that, whatever. So when I got 10 and a half years, I almost passed out. I was like. This was not well expecting. What? <laughs> 10 and a half years, but it was almost like a slap in the face. Like, you little black girl, who you think you are? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Because there were made off co-defendants and different people, other women who had similar charges, but they got six months. They got a year and a day. They got probation. 
How the hell I get 10 years? And the majority of the money was in my bank account, and they seized it. They took, what, $6 million from me? Wow. A lot wow. of people, they get these cases, and they give them restitution because there is no money. You know, the money's gone. Yeah. I wasn't money-hungry spending it. It was just sitting in the bank because it happened so fast. But... Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just going and on. I mean, no, you, 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 you told the whole story. That's what we wanted to hear. But for me, as you were speaking and as I was watching the film, the two things that stuck out to me and I was told Leah was financial literacy mm-hmm. as well as racism in the judicial system as, for, as also sexism. And um, going back to financial literacy, I felt like what you were doing was practicing financial literacy. And that's what kind of stood out to me like throughout the whole entire thing was like, here was she, she was practicing these skills and making it so that, you know, people in her community, you know, give them an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, not everyone um, is do the right things with their money and stuff like that. But that was one of the major things that stood out to me um, was the financial literacy part. Right. Even before and at the end inside, uh, I've heard your story and um, before you was helping people get credit, yep. um, be able to basically be able to do things that they couldn't do. Like I, I literally have family members, they, they have enough money, but their credit is bad. They can't even get a house, and that's just unfair. They can't even rent an apartment. And I'm like, they need a place to live, you know what I'm saying? And there's not a lot of people that have the ability to do so, whether illegally or legally, that right. will actually exactly. just take the action to do so. And even when um, when you was locked in, I know you made a lot of friends. You helped a lot of women in there. Mm-hmm. And then you wrote four books, and I was like... 13. 13? Oh, oh, 13 now? 13 okay, books. 13, nice. Okay, 13 books. Yeah, the because, Pink Panther Click. Yeah, I wrote The Pink Panther Click. That was the first book? Um, no. Okay. The first book that I wrote was, um, Boss Life, actually. Mm-hmm. And I self-published that one. Okay. So I wrote it in prison. So it did, it, it wasn't on any, um, any like distribution platforms. That's why you probably didn't see it. Then I wrote Kima and Lamar, A Ghetto Love Story, mm-hmm. parts one, two, and three. Then I wrote The Backside of the Story with Kimberly Smedley. I did a lot of, um, co-writes with people that wanted me to tell their story when I was away so I wrote that um I also wrote with um Brandy's story um I wrote uh with Shawana um Swiped um I also wrote uh King's Reign Supreme I also wrote Pink Panther Click um I also wrote Baltimore Raw I wrote uh Caught Up Loving a Ball. There's so many. It's like it's so yeah, I wrote Larry Linda Lion. Like I wrote a bunch of books. And um, I wrote all of those while I was away. Um, and it was how I got through my time, honestly. I spent all my time writing books. So, and these are novels, like 300 page books. Like they're books, books. They're not little, like cheesy 50 pages. Yeah. Like they're books, you know. And it was, um, it was a lot of work, but it also gave me a purpose in there. You know, a lot of the women had amazing stories. Um, I also have some books that I ghost wrote, you know, um, and it was like people wanted to get their stories out there. And when I, what I started to see was a pattern of us being over-sentenced. Like, why are we getting 7, 8, 9, 10, 15, 20 years for nonviolent crimes? Like, why? Like, why? What is the purpose of this? And people who are violent offenders are getting, like, Lesson. a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. even people in for murder. I know people who got murdered that got seven years, five years. Because wow. they usually drop it to manslaughter if they take a plea. You know, and it's like, all right, cool. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm not judging anybody's situation. People are not the same at 21, at 31, right. at 41. And it's like, they just slam us, like, oh. with no redemption. Like, it's crazy. And do you think it has to do with you being a woman of color? 
A hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I I taught classes while I was there, so I taught the chess class, and I particularly nice. wanted to oh, teach the chess. Huh? I seen that clip of oh, you, you and saw your that? sister. Yeah. I was. I need to learn from her. Yeah, because <laughs> a lot of women don't play chess. Nope. Yeah. We make a lot of emotional decisions. Right. I was one of the few who was in there because of something I did. Ninety percent were in there because of a dude. Wow. You know, like their boyfriend, wow. he was a hustler and they was like, you know, driving a car or lived in the same, you know, something stupid. Right. Yeah. But they didn't really do anything. So it was like, you got to start making, if you're going to come to jail, make sure it's something you did. <laughs> right, right. Earn this <laughs> crazy real. shit, you know, uh, like you don't know. just come to jail because you following behind some dude yeah. that forgot about mm-hmm. you anyway and you bit him by yourself. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. the majority of the case. So I was definitely um, an anomaly when it came to that. Like, chicks were just definitely playing the ride or die role for the for these dudes, and the dudes was leaving them. So being in there, I was like, I need to teach these women how to play chess, right. how to start thinking, you know, like outside the box, and not just following behind somebody or following your heart and being a, you know, a love bug. Listen, you got to use your brain, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I taught that, and I also taught metaphysics. I don't know if you're familiar with metaphysics. Yes. You are? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay so Metaph- <laughs> metaphysics <laughs> is like um, beyond the physical, metaphysics. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it, um, it's like, like, like spiritual type thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like Just that. teaching mm-hmm. you how to, it's like kind of like, you ever seen The Secret? Yes. I've, I've heard Manif- it. Okay. Manifestation. Manifesting. Gotcha. And going into history and, you know, how we really created so much and so much was stolen from us. Mm-hmm. And just giving people a sense of connection to who they really are, you know? Yeah. So that was like, I really found a lot of my purpose while I was there, I you know? That. Like, a lot, a lot. You know, when I was watching, when I was watching your episode, I was like, this woman is a genius. Mm-hmm. Oh. You pretty yeah. much because you pretty much use the system that was made to help rich people, rich white, white people, people, right? right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all you did was partake in America's capitalism, mm-hmm. and look what they smacked you with. Mm-hmm. But the same white loan officers, especially mm-hmm. ones on Wall Street, and they be getting like probations, just like you said, smack on the wrist. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can say that is that your biggest motivation to, you know, make sure you get your story out there and help everybody, you know, just like us? Yeah, definitely. You know, like I I don't really don't feel like we could change the system. You know, I feel like we could change ourselves, but Mm -hmm. we can't necessarily change the system because it's run by people who profit Mm -hmm. from our demise, you know? So I teach people really more so just find a creative way to get your bag and stay out of these people's way. You know, like um, everybody was like, I'm going to tell y'all, I'm going to be very vulnerable and honest. If I didn't go to jail already, I would have been PPP rich. Oh, if I didn't go to jail already and have that fear instilled in me, because I would have been like money is being dangled in my face and it's so easy. Mm -hmm. Why not? Right. Mm -hmm. But I was saying to myself, heck no. Because I know the system and I know they really don't care about us. And I know they're not going to just give us stuff and it's not going to be some backlash later. I want no parts because everybody was hitting me up like, yo, each, I know you got, I'm yeah. like, nah, I don't, I don't know. I don't got nothing going I don't on. Got like, nothing yeah, for you. you. Sorry. With that and now with said, the 17 years. Just because you, you know? brought up the PP, because that's like, I feel like that's a new way of people, you know, getting to the bag. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think this, the culture of, I guess, Scamming. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. You know, put that negative. You know, connotation to it. But like, how oh, do you think the culture? Okay. Cool. <laughs> how do you think the culture has changed since you 
since from now till then because you know it, it has different ways you know due to technology yeah. or you know different things that, i see like a lot of youth that just scam like you was different you was investing you was flipping houses mm-hmm. i think i even read that mm-hmm. you bought a whole block on detroit at one point yeah i bought I 75 houses that's yes, amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> houses. I wanted to i'm gonna say, get back to that one though um, yeah like there's a lot of youth that's just scamming. They just buying their Balenciagas and Gucci, and it's they just buy money that's right. just going to white men's pockets, but they're mm-hmm. not really doing anything with it. And mm-hmm. of course, you know they don't know how. They don't know exactly. how. They don't know how. Right. And no, nobody, if there's an opportunity to flip money, wants to just not flip money. If I could say you got ten grand right now, let me give you twenty five thousand back in six months or six weeks. Who's gonna say no? Most right. people would say yeah, heck yeah. They just don't know how or where to look yeah. or what to do because of the financial literacy lack of. Right, and not even just literacy, just secrecy, mm-hmm. because a lot of stuff out there is secret. You got to know who to know what's up. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, you could be looking and looking everywhere. If it's hidden from you, how are you going to find out? Mm-hmm. So we got to start creating kind of our own um, ways to flip money um, that's in innovative ways, mm-hmm. because those circles are going are to be close to us. Yep. You yep. can learn all you want to learn, mm-hmm. but... That's why I'm so passionate about credit because credit is really the key to wealth. Yes. You know, people complain like, you know how they came out and said Trump paid like $500 in taxes or something crazy? Yeah. But it's legal because you understand tax codes, you understand credit. You don't pay taxes on credit. So if somebody gave me a $500,000 loan or if my homie writes me a check from my own money, right, if you follow me, and writes loan on a check, I don't have to pay taxes on that. It's a loan. Yeah. It's considered I, I debt. Yep. So, you know, I could be sitting on $20 million. If it's credit, I could set it up where it's not, it's a balloon payment five years, 10 years from now. So I got 10 years with $20 million. It's so I could turn that into a two, 300 million, you know, and I'm not paying taxes on an initial amount because it's, it's a loan. You don't pay taxes on debt. You pay taxes on income and assets. You don't pay taxes on debt or old money because it's not your money right so if you can have everything looking like it's borrowed money you're not paying taxes and this is what the wealthy people know and the secrets that they know and they know how to flip and switch it up and do all of this crazy stuff and who is teaching us this stuff nobody Nobody. who's teaching it they're not teaching it to us so you know we have to figure it out on our own only thing we see is what wealth looks like so we go and when we get money we want to look like wealth because that's only that's the only connection we have to wealth yes what it looks like it looks like the balenci's it looks like Mm -hmm. the prada and the louis and all of this Mm -hmm. it looks like that but that's not really what it is so because we see the end result that's what we mimic but we don't really understand what wealth really is. And it's unfortunate because it's set up like that. You know, it's mm-hmm. definitely, and I learned that. I, I played with billionaires in, in that game. When I used to have to do proof of funds for three or 400 million, who do you think I was going to? You know, the billionaires. Mm-hmm. And they don't even, they don't even put money in the bank. They have private banks. When you go to, I always tell this story that I went, this is how I knew I was balling. This is how I knew I was balling. Not the gold, not you going to get the gold. gold. None of, none of that. <laughs> it was a simple trip to the ATM because a place I was going to did not take um, cards. So I said, let me go get like $100 out the ATM or whatever. And it was a little cheesy ATM like this in the wall. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the little one. Mm-hmm. And they print these little tiny receipts. And I was tripping because the receipt said that I had like 
699000 or something. And I'm like, hold on. We missing a whole comma and another number. <laughs> but the receipt was too skinny to print my oh, balance. Wow. So that's how I knew. I said, wow. Mama, I made it. <laughs> no, for real. And then I realized a bigger, a bigger realization was this country is built for poverty. Because wow. you're not even thinking that right. you need to have that many digits. Because you already know people aren't even living in that realm, you know? Yes. But what about the people that that do? You just, eh, you know. I was, sorry. I just, no, well, no, just want to say it's crazy how, like, you having that type of access to that type of wealth and that type of money, how it changes your perspective. Something as simple as, like you saying, the receipt mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. being, you know, a certain length. Because that's just not mm -hmm. something that is made for us. It's just so that's just crazy. I just thought it was crazy. It's, I was gonna say it's very interesting that you bring up that because I do feel like listen, um, I've I've lived off gov government assistance at a few points in my life and it definitely have saved me, helped me, fed me. But I want to say sometimes people do get too comfortable and just going to that nine to five, getting that little check where they could pay their next bill. Like you said, people get in that mindset where okay, I, fifty grand I could do, and I think at one point you was nineteen year old, yes, um, making one. fifty grand per year, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and. Even at 19 year old, making 50 grand, you was like, no, I need more. Mm -hmm. So I, I do feel like a lot of people, definitely in the US, we get comfortable in this stigma where, you know, 30 grand, 40 grand suffices, which it can suffice, but I feel like um, if we have the aspiration and motivation to do more, we'll definitely be able to do it if we right. see it a little bit more often. Yeah. Well, it was who I was around. Yeah. So 40 and 50 grand would have been okay if I was around everybody else making 40, 50 grand. Right. But because I worked in the mortgage industry, that was like my first real job. The loan officers was making two and 300,000 a year. So 40, 50,000 was on the lower end of the totem pole. So I'm trying to move up. Right. So if you work in an environment where everybody is the same, you feel like we all got the same struggle. We all got the same bills. We all going to be in this rat race. You know, we all comfortable, but there's nobody to, motivate you even your boss you make 40 50 they might make 55 or 60 it's not that big of a difference to aim to yeah so it's all about who you surround yourself with if you're surrounded by people who are living better than you and they look like you and their age is around your age and it seems like those goals are attainable you might have a different attitude Right. You know, you're in the projects and everybody around you has the same story, the same struggle. You kind of feel like this is my culture and this is how life was meant to be for me. And you get defeated. But when you see how the other side live and you see it every day. I mean, for me, I was like, nah, this ain't it. I need, I need more. <laughs> I need more yeah. It's admirable that you are here and you're making it your business to educate mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. on everything. Because, you know, a lot of people have so much information sitting on, like, goldmine information, and they're stingy with it, you know? And they're, like, they're just going to keep it to themselves for the people. Right. They judging you. You don't deserve that. Or she's too dumb. He's dumb. Oh, he yeah. don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I think a lot you know? of people like to form opinion mm -hmm. before they even share the information. Yeah, and they feel like, I don't know what it is they feel like, because I don't have those feelings. So I can't relate. But they just are stingy with it. And... I don't know if it's so much stingy, depending on what group you're talking about. Some of it is calculated, you know, because, you know, living in a capitalist society, yeah. you have to have poverty. That's the way it works. If you don't have poverty, and it's better then it's to keep people work. there. Yeah, absolutely. So you can have that all to yourself. Yes. Even with Section 8, like the people that live off Section 8, I just feel like Section 8 should some, I get it. But also, too, like, let's say um, you work at 9 to 5 and you live in a Section 8 apartment. If you make a certain amount of money. 
They're raising up. But even so, even if they're raising up the Section 8, um, the stipend that they're giving you to help you pay for the rent, it's still not enough. So it's like, let me go make some more money outside of this um, government assistance. Even so, but once I do make money, Section 8 is still going to take majority of it. So it's like, they still keep you in a cycle where it's very hard for you to try to, you know, do more than what you see. I do want right. to ask you a question, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are Arthur, you are a rapper, you are a singer, um, you do credit repair, you have even your own business with PNAC Official, right? You, mm-hmm. you do your own drinks. Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm finished with mm-hmm. them. Like okay. I came on, okay. I came on board with them. Okay. And um, basically got the brand popping. So okay. I was like a brand am- ambassador. ambassador. For okay, them. I got mm-hmm. you. And you so, also do the Jack luxury car rental. Yes. Now that I just started. Okay. Nice. So um, we have a bunch of Range Rovers, and we basically rent them out. You know, and uh, it's doing really well. Like all the cars are. Um, I even had to rent my own car because <laughs> the damn, I promised one person a car and uh, then um, my partner, Shawana, she rented it. Uh, so the person's like, yo, I don't have a car. I'm like, look, just, just take my car. <laughs> so now I'm, I had to drive like my mom's car <laughs> because my car is rented, but shoot, that's $200 a day. Right. You know? So I'm like, take it, go ahead. <laughs> right. You know, cause, um, I'm all about, I mean, and, and my, my new course that's about to come out. It's called Aisha Hall's Masterclass. And what I'm teaching is how to turn debt into assets. I don't care if you live in a big mansion. Mm -hmm. If you're paying for it out of your pocket, it is a liability. It is a debt. It is not helping you. You're not popping. If you live in a house like that and it's paying for itself, okay, now you're on the asset side. So when you have to pay for something out of your pocket, it is a debt. It's a liability. When you have something and it's paying for itself, meaning it's paying you, then it is profit and it is an asset. So, for example, if I buy two houses, right, and one house is a two-family um, and I don't live in it and I have a single-family house that I live in, the two-family, if it brings in enough rental income to cover the mortgage on that house and my house, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm, now, I'm, now I'm doing it the right way because my investments are paying me right, and I'm living free. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Even, you know, the house I live in now, like I have a tenant and it helps me. So I'm never going to pay. I'm always going to like my car, my car, thousand dollars a month. I don't pay that. The rentals pay for my car, right. you know? Yeah. So that's how you build wealth. You have money. Come, wealth is all about what you have coming in every month. That's different how streams of income. different mm-hmm. streams of income. I like and that. that's what my course with that being said, Miss Aisha Hall, Jack of all trades. <laughs> what is your what is your goal? So, what do you want to be known as going forward besides your story and everything? What do you want to be known for? Honestly, I want to be a freaking oligarch, if you know what that is. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's like a super wealthy individual mm-hmm. that has made other super wealthy individuals. That's what I want my legacy to be. Like I want that to be my bragging rights. Like I met Aisha and after I did such and such with her, I got a bag. I got a bag. Like uh, I want to yes. be able to brag about that. Like right. I got you a bag, you a bag, you a bag. But you, you were bag. doing that. Yeah, you, are, you, you were doing that. But I want to do it in a bigger, bigger way, way. In a bigger way. Music. Where the world has to acknowledge me. And I'm not talking about just us. I'm talking about the world. That's like, they got to put some respect That's on this fact. black woman's name. Yes. And not mm-hmm. just say, oh, we just... You know, because I walk... You know, when I first got to prison, 
one of the guards had jokes and was like, oh, you must have been one of them strippers hiding money for your man. Like, no, I was a boss. I said, why? Because I got a little booty. Right. <laughs> the brain is bigger than the butt. Uh, so right. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, right. You know, but it's like we get typecasted. Mm. And there's so many intellectual people of just, uh, just brown people, you know, Hispanic women, um, black women, people from the Caribbean, African women, people of color who are so intellectual. Mm -hmm. And that's more than just their figure. Like, people say, yo, is you so fire with your bars? Why you ain't blow? I said, because I'm not naked. Mm -hmm. That's the only only reason. I have every connection. Everybody who you can think of respects my music. Mm -hmm. And you have the story, a real story. Yeah, but the record labels don't because they can't propagandize what I'm doing, you Mm -hmm. know? So I just do it because I love it, you know, like, and I get enough respect from my peers to make me keep doing it, you know, but that's the only reason. That's the, think of any chick right now that's popping as an artist that's not like doing everything. Being sexualized. Yeah. Yeah. Name one. Yeah. I I can't. I can't. And I I definitely want to say, I definitely respect that because me as like a, I love music, um, I always try to listen to music that is literally you hearing what they're saying. It's not always about sex, sex, sex. It's kind of overwhelming. But in terms of marketing, I just feel like that's an important thing to say because I think with social media, it's very easy um, to sexualize yourself. You know, women, we make a lot of money. Men, you know, a little six-pack, y'all make a lot of money. But at the end of the day, we also got to think about what other streams of income I want to make, what other connections I want to make. Um, once I post this photo, how is that going to limit? And I'm not saying that's a negative thing. There's definitely a lot of people that... that make money like Holly Berry or Megan Fox off sexualization. But in certain in terms of the avenues that you want to take, you have to be mindful of what you put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to follow up with that question, right, for a lot of young people that are still trying to figure out what they want to do because you have done so many things mm-hmm. and you have excelled in so many things. I want to say, how do you know, because you have so many skills, how do you know which to focus on? I have people in my life mm-hmm. that's, they're a little bit confused. They, they have a lot of aspirations, dreams, and things that they want to do, but it's very overwhelming. Um, and they don't know what step to take. What would you recommend as advice? Well, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I'm confused. <laughs> I have so many things I want to do, mm-hmm. and I'm sometimes all over the place. But then I decided, let me brand my all over the place. Let me brand my jack-of-all-trades. Right. Sometimes you have to do everything and see what sticks, see what stands out, see what makes the most money. I did a lot of different things, and it was like credit repair just hit. Like, I might make 10000 doing this. 8000 doing this, and then boom, I made 50000 with credit repair. Well, I know I need to stay focused over there because that's right. where the money is coming in. That's where the attention is, you know? So it's like sometimes you do different things, and it also depends on your intellectual level. Everybody's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it also depends on your ability to multitask. Everybody can't. Right. So you got to kind of know um, what your skill set is. That's why metaphysics was so important to me because it's like know thyself, Know mm-hmm. yourself. Don't do something trying to follow somebody else or just going with an impulse. Really think about it. Think about if you can handle what it is that you're trying to do. Don't just, if you could do five things, do five things. Right. If you're doing five things and you're struggling, then stop doing five things and try to do maybe three things. Mm-hmm. If you're still struggling, then focus on one thing. So it's all, it's not a one size fits all remedy for that. Right. But what I will say is my biggest piece of advice is right it down. Oh, yes. Heavy on to write it down because write it down. First of all, before before I get back get get to that point, um, you brought up the phrase um, the jack of all trades is a master mm-hmm. um, it's a master of none. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Today I was actually scrolling through a video, and there was a 
lady, she was, she was talking about a lot of people, they don't know the full saying. So the full saying is, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Oh, yeah, that's right. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, especially in our generation, um, you know, we see that there's so many opportunities for us and we feel like, oh, maybe I'm spreading myself out too much. And, be, you know, be, a lot a lot of that has to do with that saying, you know, you people think, oh, because I'm spreading myself out too much, I'm not focusing on many things. I, 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 I can't focus on one thing, but I feel like you said, uh, you can't spread yourself out. Um, it's all about what you can handle. You just right. got to portion. Right. If it's five things, it's five things. If it's three, it's two, but don't limit yourself. Right. And then going back to the thing of you writing things out, I definitely, definitely agree with you on that. I think something about putting a pen to a paper definitely brings power into solidifies yes it, beco- it goes from intangible yes. to tangible mm-hmm. metaphysics it's exactly <laughs> metaphysics i need to know do you have a vision board i actually did i don't have one right now okay. but i did the whole time i was in prison okay. and i did on and off when i came home okay. um and i will say that almost everything on my former my past vision boards i accomplished so now it's time for the, the new one. I'm glad you reminded me. Right. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Nice. I definitely yeah. need to make one before the year starts. Even for the rest of the mine. year. Let's oh, and I didn't time. answer your question about the scammers. You asked me yes, about Yes, so scammers. yeah. How did you think the culture has changed yes. of scamming? Yeah. Well, I'm very particular about how I use the word scamming. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like we've been scammed since we've been in America. Right. I feel like this government got a lot of nerve calling us scammers. Y'all been scamming us from day one. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially if you're of African descent, Mm -hmm. we built this country Mm -hmm. for 500 years for free. If that ain't the biggest scam, I don't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like America is so-called great America because of us. Mm -hmm. And then y'all couldn't read, couldn't write. Do you know how much of a setback it is? To have people tell you, all right, you free to go, do what you got to do. You ain't a slave no more, but you can't read or write. Mm-hmm. Do you know how set, uh, much of a setback that is? Um, and uh, people, I think they skip over that because there's a lot of critique of us and right. our people circumstances. Guess. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, do y'all realize that for half of not a century, but a millennium, we could not read and write without being hung or whatever was going to happen. And they hate to hear it. Yeah, so it's like, do you know how much of a setback that is? So I think that we're really just some dope people mm-hmm. to be able to be where we are right now, right. having a whole 500 years, only really up until the 60s. Where yeah, they, seriously. Like my grandmother, we were talking yeah, this morning about how... Um, her, her her mom and her aunts and stuff couldn't vote because they had to, they asked them when they passed the right to vote. All right, nigga, how many how many jelly beans are in a jar? You know, wow. how many grains of rice are in here? Oh, you're wrong, and you couldn't vote. Wow. So they had all these little Vote, games, yeah. Yeah. like how what they're doing wow. right now. So first I couldn't read, then I wasn't allowed to write. Now I'm not allowed to vote. Okay, tell me I can vote. Now when I vote, it's a scam. Mm. So when you talk about scamming, scamming hasn't. Yes, you're right. Yeah. We live in a... We, the culture of scamming is what they taught us, what they teach. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection of our society. It's a reflection of our society. And my people just want to get the get so-called it. American dream. However possible, we just have all these setbacks. So I don't. I'm, I feel like sometimes... You know, I don't want to go against the thing. I just be like, get them. Get you know, we, we have. Listen, listen, listen. listen. <laughs> you that, and me right? both. Because when I was young, I remember, you know, I grew up around that that. That lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're black, especially you live in a particular area, you're going to see, you're going to know people do it. Right. And I remember this me being so young and naive. I used to think associate associate those people with being bad people. And as I got older, you know, you start adulting and you start getting a job and you be like, oh, this is why people do this. And also, 
you being a black person in America, you realize like, damn, it's like certain jobs you can't even get in the door, interviews, and it's, it's hard. And I think that's what I loved about your story and the series is because, like you said, it it just shows like you know how scamming the the culture of scamming is a reflection of society, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not about us. Um, Trying being to be bad people, exactly. Yeah. You know, we're not us bad trying people. to make our own opportunities and get our own back. Like we said. had that mm-hmm. American dream before they ripped it from us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been had it. Yeah, for we just sure. need to get it back. But you know, they and they put so much into our culture. They put so much into our neighborhoods that yeah. blocked us from getting That's to right. where we need to get back to. And it was not that long ago. Like these, it wasn't. These no, white it really men isn't. are having generational wealth Seriously. over what five five um ancestors or whatever and we still have a lot of people that are still struggling so a lot of people that have like oh that was a long time ago no that generational wealth is still building credit for these young mm-hmm. um young mm-hmm. white kids that's able to go to school and stuff and we're still trying to fend and go through all these obstacles and real estate like they pass oh, down real shit. estate and they pass mm-hmm. down home ownership we pass down section eight it's a big difference wow. a lot of mm-hmm. people i know they like oh such and such is moving i'm gonna take over our section oh, eight yeah. mm-hmm. you know and it's right. like that's we don't really right hear about. oh such and such um passed on their their property or their house but what houses do is it is the easiest way to get access to large lump sums of money Mm -hmm. because when you own a house you can always take out a line of credit against the equity you know white people that have property oh i'm gonna take out a two hundred thousand dollar home equity line of credit to send timmy to school and mary wants to start a new practice Mm -hmm. so your parents or your grandparents have access to credit and real estate, which allows you to have access to opportunity, because a lot of opportunity. How many? How many opportunities do you know that we miss because we can't fund it? Exactly, we a can't lot. fund it. We have a great idea, but we don't have anywhere to get the money. Right. The banks won't give us the credit. You know, um, we don't have assets. We just really have so many setbacks, and I feel like when I came home, and th- there was no social media when I went away. So when I came home, Instagram was new to me. I didn't, people were like, oh, yo, I, um, I started an Instagram page for you and you got a whole bunch of likes. I'm like, what is what is a like? <laughs> like, I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> and it was like, oh, people are um, commenting this. on. I'm like, how does this work? So when I came home and I saw Instagram, of course, a person like me who's a big hustler, I was like, oh, I'm about to get paid <laughs> because everybody's rich. Right. Look mm-hmm. on this. But it, it was a facade. I didn't wow. understand at first. Because right. I'm like, damn, everybody's popping. And here mm. I am. I'm a fresh home. I don't have nothing. Right. Not a dollar. And I'm struggling. So I'm like, if all of these people are able to do what took me a lot of thinking to be able to put together, and now I have experience, if it's this easy now, oh, I'm about to be a billionaire in like two weeks. That's how I was looking at it. Right. Then I started seeing more and more that People literally buy stuff just for a look. They don't mm-hmm. even keep like it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, they're not really in the big money club. So don't feel, <laughs> because nope. I started feeling emotional about not being in a certain position yet. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? All of these people, but it's not real. And now I understand that. So that's the difference. I'm about to say, you, you answered the question. Of you now answered mm-hmm. the question. Yeah, yeah, that's the difference. Because yeah. when I was, you know, getting to it, like, it was real time. It was real, real like, real, real. Like, I got drivers, and I'm walking with security. and po- Like, it was like I was bossed up. Now I'm like, mm, this looks like the situation, but that's rented, and that's uh-huh. the, it's not official. Right. And I'm not saying don't enjoy that feeling, but don't you want it for real? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you want to learn how to really create mm-hmm. that so it's not just a front, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Listen, thank you so much for sharing. We do have to wrap up, but I definitely... Yes, I'll you dropped some... Wait, oh, wait. I, no, we're we, we going to do the music? <laughs> no, I, I want to... 
Okay. Just kind of wrap, before go, go. before we wrap okay. up, I just have to ask you one important question. Okay. The potato roll. Oh yeah, yes. it's called a potato yes. log. Potato log. Potato log. Me, I was watching your live, yes. and we want to try the potato log <laughs> because we, I, for real. we know prison food hit. Y'all, y'all get real creative and innovative with that. So yeah, well, we have. To, I have to come back and bring Juana. All right, and then yes. we we'll have to make it for you. Real we will right. definitely love that. We would definitely love yeah. that. Um, before we let you go, yes. I, I know you dropped. You had um, the Aisha Hoff project that you dropped mm-hmm. in 2018, and most of those songs, because I was into some of the songs, and it was just so like rough, very descriptive. Did you write some of those songs while you was in prison, or did you? Really yeah, my first, okay. um, you know, compilation that I put out, I wrote all of that in prison. Wow, okay. I wrote like 50 songs while I was away. Wow. All so I did nice. was write. Yeah. Do you still have unreleased music from the time that you I do. Wow, I okay. Do. I do. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, each album that I put out, I'll put like drips of that in there because I'll never be in that position again. So whatever I was feeling in those times, that's like unique. You know yeah. what I mean? So I like definitely, I yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I have, I, have a, I have so much music. So much music with the um the American Gangster album. I love that album. Um, I I definitely seen a lot of this. Um, you did like two samples with I think you girl I and love tonight. You, and I love yeah. I love those. You play that sample, yo. Play that back. Play that back. Yeah. And the last song really surprised me because um, I, I wanted to know like what's your ethnicity? Oh, my father's Jamaican. Jamaican, because yeah. the last song I'm like. Not not every rapper can switch up and do a Caribbean feat, and this was so like well done. I'm like, nah, yep. like this was dope. Oh, I, I thank really you, thank the album. you. I got some more Caribbean flavor for the new album. Yes, we here yeah, for let's it. Let's go. We, we need it. it. We do have it. Need the bashments. Say one more time. We need the bashments. The bashments. All right. <laughs> Listen, um, Aisha Hall was definitely um kind to bless us with a teaser of her song. Mm. We want to play a snippet or the whole song. It's up to you. Whatever oh, you we, want we to do. Oh, we're going to play the whole song, all right? So we're going to... So sick. So sick. And any last words for the audience and the people of the world? Yes, thank y'all so much for y'all support. You know, and um, if you're going through something, just look at my story, get motivated, and it's going to be... Oh, it's not going to stay the same. I love it. I love it. Now, say the name of the song. So, so sick. And it's dedicated to my man who's locked up. All right. And I'm so sick. Of this prison shit. So that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right, yo. Thank you so much You're for joining welcome. us. You're Blessings welcome. to you and your loved ones. Thank, Thank you, you guys for TLK Infamous Season yes. 2, Episode 1. Let's Thank play it you. out. Getting here waiting for you to come home. So sick of seeing them do us wrong. And I'm so sick of, so sick of, so sick of this. And I'm holding on, holding Kiss. Tat on your back, say ain't never going back. Mindset different, so that statement is a fact. Even if you did, it would never be the same. I would die on the inside, couldn't take the pain. It would feel like my heart been broken up and rearranged. Never leave me, I'm begging you, please. I would go insane like we breathe the same air. I don't even care about nothing else but laying up right here with ya. Cause I swear that you the best, nigga. Here they come, baby, I'ma do the bid. So won't you come and me, let me have your kid. And I won't do you like the mother bitches did. And relatives is very different than your family. I was a choice and I'm seeing what they can't see. I love you rich, broke, raggedy, or fancy. And if we try and fail, we go to plan B. Sitting here waiting for you to come home. I hope this episode was insightful for everybody joining us. 
We will continue to put out new content every Sunday. So if you want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast and stay up to date by following our Instagram or Twitter page at TLK Infamous. All right, guys. Until next time.